Well, good evening, you useless prats and hotted up grandpas. I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank you group of unthankful old timers for allowing me to join your Toastmasters club. And although this was a community-based order and you actually couldn't say no, I'd like to show my supreme gratitude and say that you've changed my life. It's true. I'd like, first of all, to thank Kenny Rommel Spitbergen. Oh, the first night I rocked up at this old hall on a cold, dark night six weeks ago, I was actually pretty scared. I'd never done public speaking before, but Kenny Rommel made me feel welcome by standing in the corner with a cold, distant, murderous look, muttering obscenities in German under his breath. By week two, he was sharing schnapps with me in my car park, and his initial aggression made me respect him as the true tough guy he really was. This was cemented in iron when, a, a few hours after finishing the bottle of schnapps, I got into an argument with him over whether Jeff Kennett was a fascist bully boy. Unfortunately, I did end up flying into a drunken rage over this argument and did punch the 80-year-old in the head. Sorry, Kenny. Yeah, really sorry, mate. But I'll tell you what, thanks to an allied shell, half of his skull is made of metal. Kesara Sara. The second and last person I'd like to thank is, of course, Betty Crable. Although she spent the last week or so running away from what she refers to as the poo runner, she has been making crumpets and delicious and gorgeous cups of tea every week since I started my retrospective improved speeches and stories six weeks ago. I'm actually pretty worried about her as the last time I saw her she was cowering behind a pillar in a dark section of the disused platform for at Box Hill Station. I know that she's elderly but she's more paranoid than Peter Paradox and his latest bottle of dingo placenta. However, to all of the rest of you old mongrels, you can get stuffed. You've sat there in judgment as I've shared my monolithic stories in my pitiful transition into the Australian 90s. You've sat there in your old moth-bitten brown suits, thick glasses, hearing aids and drooling mouths. All ten of you have just sat there in silence. No applause, no response, no beer sculling. You don't even laugh at my cruel jokes. Thanks for nothing, frog haters, especially you in the front row, Judge Dredd. Yeah, that's right, mate, turn your hearing aid up. If only you, yeah, one of you sat there like Red Simon with a golf or something, that would actually make things interesting. Your speeches, which I mostly walk out of, bore me to tears. Stick to your day job, you blackened hearts. You failed me for your last time, you lack of kindness, ass bangers. Alright, enough of the formalities, okay? So I'm going to step up the plate and end the six weeks of Magic Box sharing how I finally turned my back on being the wannabe 80s born yuppie and came to the Box Hill flesh-coated, fatted pig rocking the night with the steel and violence. It's exactly what I mean, and that's what I intend to talk about, and I will. And if you don't think so, then couple earful of this, you fat... Elderlies, a fat, picture this, a fat scarecrow with sunglasses, yeah? Yellowish blonde mullet, invisible holy ghost machine gun and now a posse of mates. 10, 12 or more of them, dingbats, nothing but dingbats, disposable heroes. The dregs of society that I call the dregs of society. Mates that will go down through thick and thin with you, but it will steal your wallet at the drop of a hat. 
particularly when you've come out of Odyssey House, straight out the front door into Westerfold Park with your faded jeans pinned around your ankles with a picture of Mickey Mouse and Mickey Rourke eating up his own shorts and boxing his way out of a Colonel Sanders chicken basket tattooed up to your kidneys. Try trying that on for size and come back and tell me whether you've lived a life worth living. I'm talking about 1990, winter, can you picture it? Freezing, chilled to the bone, I befriended the platypus ripper in Gender Bender, Fuzzburn, the Tickle Man, Trafalgar, living in my stolen car, in the driveway, of his impoverished rental house in Montalbot, next to a solo petrol station. That's what it had come to. Not much to look forward to, but the aches and pains which this diseased nation had to offer. I'd been at his place for a decent period of time, a hundred metres from my previous employer, the aforementioned H.E. Broad, when things started to take a turn for the better. Through Fuzzboot's midnight connections and drug deals gone bad, I got in contact with the following Box Hill legends. Steve Stevenson, although this uber nerd lived in a collapsed tent in Garfield, he had the most hilarious anger and terminally ill severed leg of another human, not his, that I have ever seen. He spent half of his life in Fuzzburn's lounge room, trying to study in PhD in East German fashion, while we lobbed cake feces at him. Great guy with a pathetic attitude. Johnny Widdishan, ex-Box Hill Tech standover man, turned midnight mercenary, taking it to the streets hiding in the shadows until a perceived crime occurs. Many think he's a stalker, but he isn't. He's a hidden woman protector, following them in the darkness, unseen, making sure that no one touches them in the wrong places. Keith Rankin, video nerd, ventriloquist of his own hernia, puppet stabber and rabbit killer. He would call every video store looking for videos not yet invented. Absolute ripper, worthy of being ripped apart by Fuzzburn's ninja knife shaped bomb. Rabbit the hate yabby. Now this guy actually brought, bought his body off some dead guy at the Surrey Hills tram terminus. Not sure who he was, or would have been, or could have been, but this strange evil Knievel type figure, a uh, modern Drew type of figure, and presence was felt especially when we were firing bazookas at him while he was sleeping on the fire in his sleeping bag made of dog's wool. Barry Coldine, master of puppets, ringleader of the idiots. He helped us to become the midnight vigilante legends that we always deserve to be. He was a good man. He was created in the womb of his mother like all men, but he was unlike all men and that he was among the creators of the best stories in Box Hill history ever known to man. So, Barry was an ex-scientist. He managed to work with Keith Rankin in the video, nerd, the video Nerd to make an actual robot. The device, the mad, the device created to make the robot was meant so that you could be contacted in any location wherever you travelled. While those yuppies were carrying around a gigantic warlike walkie-talkies, Cold Iron designed a robot named Rotor. It was well, simply a small box shaped droid with a joystick on the top and a red dot on the front. He based it on the movie 2010 Space Jazz Odyssey, 
directed by Stanley Clark. Keith Rankin used it as a device to communicate with his mum. He would communicate via Morse code, us driving around to various video stores to hire videos which he was requesting via the red dog which appeared on Rota's chest. We initially used it as a way to try and pay video fines that failed miserably. I tried to go around every video store talking with them and finding Keith to buggery and they chased me out of the store with a bucket of urine. Eventually we worked out that we would hook it up to the loudspeakers on Cold Iron's pink Cadillac. Cold Iron would stop in front of cops and say, Drop your decks, copper. Drop them down to the floor. Or I'll lay you out dead as a turkey. Bloody fucknuts. Then he'd turn the joystick, which would in turn make a sound like a moog keyboard. You know the sound. A sort of... Sound. Man, it was funny. We would pass unsuspecting street scum and throw a pile of funk blasting moog and apple flavoured urine bombs up straight up into their bums and asses. After these thrilling incidents I realised I was doing more rad farming and nightmare running than I'd done in a long, long time. I was finally happy and had adapted to this depressing decade of the city of Box Hill. I'd finally made my own gold coated armour and was patrolling the streets atop of Fuzzburn's P-76, screaming and spitting at anyone who wasn't towing the line. I'd made it to being a legend of the night and daylight. Well, to top it all off, the Box Hill Police Force referred to me as a sodden, fat slower and non-liquid metal version of the scary killer cop from Terminator 2. That, was my, that became my nickname from that day forward. I found it to be quite a compliment really, both to my personality and my upbringing and my inner self and as I'd also made it a habit to stop entering my mate's houses through the back door. I would never enter via the front door and the back door had become too commercial. I now entered the ceiling crashing and breaking into their lounge rooms via their ceiling. I got really injured every single time but it was a message that I was on an express elevator to hell and their roof wasn't going to stop me. Once I came crashing through Peter Paradox's ceiling, but he thought I was in fact Fuzzburn's pet demon, so he sprayed me with acid and urine. I lost another arm in that incident, but gee, it was funny. I landed on his couch chair with a ringwood bitter long neck in my hand and a cigarette in my mouth. Leathermanned by the band The Eye Gauge, Eye Gouge Warriors playing on his stereo. He filmed it and I watch it every night before I descend myself into my freezing cellar. Anyway, my good friends, Toastmaster Filth Blasters, I thank you for letting me speak at these things. I've learned a lot from your dripping corpses and I will, and I, I give you my word, see you at the graveyard soon. And don't forget to mothball your aimless minds. Till next time, Rapture, the steaming double cowpack. Get out, mate, it's me.
Oh, I just got back from Bones Hill from the police stones. It's just a, it's deserted. There's no one up there. I stood there by myself for 20 minutes. I reckon everyone's headed off to uh, Queensland. They're all, they're all moving up there. Damo, Spagwet, Rathead, The Batcher, The Assaultist. Yeah, they're just, they're just all living up there. It's, it's, it's like the Aussie spirit's still going up there. It's like it's 1988 up there. It's like, it's like uh, the bogans have moved on mass. It's a bogan exodus. It's a bogan migration. Pegasus are struggling. They, they've sold hardly any bombs, hardly any maiden t-shirts. I don't know, it's, it's winter's here. And it's just depressing down here, mate. They're just heading up to the, they're heading up to the Goldie, that's what we call it, the Gold Coast, it's like America up there.